name of Lord Jesus, it's a blessing to be here, especially when I was scheduled to be here last Sunday, and uh, this is not an excuse, but I just assumed so much since I was going to be in Texas that my name was not on the calendar for the third, and I guess uh, I had made some wrong assumptions didn't even check the calendar so thank you brother Arnie for, for the Bible does say we're to be ready to preach at all times so that's that that happened at prairie so that's good how do you handle things in life when it's difficult. You the kind that tends to mumble and grumble and just grecks about what's going on and just fuss and make a big, big issue about problem. Things are so tough, so hard. You the kind, as soon as some difficulty shows up, you seem to stiffen your back and seem to resist and rebel. And uh, you the type that when there's difficulties that you just tend to faint and despair and Oh no, and just seem to just fall to pieces. Or are you the kind that, well, you just grin and bear it. Just grit our teeth and slug through it. Or are you the kind that when life is difficult that you realize too that this too will pass it won't always be this way we're looking at 1st Peter chapter 1 again this morning <clears throat> we must remember that Peter is, is writing to believers that are going through very, very difficult experiences. Their faith is being tested. They're under, they're under test. They're under trial. And Peter's writing to encourage them to just keep up. I could just imagine the brothers and sisters and Christian believers in Iraq these days. Some of their what they must be going through and reading something like this. Or in other parts of the Middle East or in the Ukraine. Other situations where there's maybe not, not just because there's physical conflict and war but a persecution of some kind tests. Maybe we don't have exactly those kinds of issues but I'm sure within 
my speaking range here today in this assembly and of course we also know it carries beyond what's here in this building there are people who their plate just isn't isn't all too pleasant and Peter writes to people and he's talking about this glorious hope this lively hope we have an inheritance that's incorruptible undefiled unfading and we're, being, we're kept by the power of God ready for that final salvation. And in chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Peter writes, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice in this salvation, this final salvation that is to be coming. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye now see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." Before we try to go through this passage, I'd like to talk to the children a little bit. I don't know what your mom and dad were li are like. I don't know what your school teachers are, have been like. Some of those that I had, I used to think that they were mean. Sometimes they'd say no when I wish they didn't. Sometimes they didn't let me do what I wanted to do. Sometimes they made me do something that I didn't like to do. And sometimes when I did things I shouldn't have done or I did thing, didn't do things I should have done, uh, they did things to me that would make me remember what to do next time. Sometimes they made me work and made me do things that just were not very pleasant. They made me get up at certain times, go to bed at certain times, and I. They made me eat stuff I didn't really like, didn't give me things I would like to eat. Do you have mom and dad like that too? Or do just I have mom and dad like that? Now why do, do, do moms and dads just like to think up those kinds of things? Just to make it hard? Do teachers do that just so that school isn't fun? Most of them are not that way. And I am sure that yours are not that way. Now, why, why do we have these things? Why do we, when you're children and even young people and even adults, why, why, why do we have this? Punishment, 
chastisement, discipline, uh, rules, uh, curfews. Why? Somehow it just takes the fun away, doesn't it? Sometimes. Well, children, I'd like to ask you a question. Would you like to play a game where there were no rules? How long would you play a game? No rules. Or if somebody else always changed the rules. Would you like to live in a town or in a place where there was never a policeman around and anybody could do just what they wanted to do? I don't think we feel very comfortable, would we? Why, why, why do we have these things? Why is there such a thing as discipline and so on? First of all, it's because people love and care about you. But, yeah, they love you. In fact, even the Bible speaks about that. They love you. God loves those that He especially loves. Sometimes they He 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 disciplines them. It's not that He wants them to be miserable. He He's showing that I'm. I'm very caring about you. I want you to go in a certain path. And that's really where how your mom and dad are too. They love you. And sometimes we get this kind of treatment because we need to learn some things. You know, discipline is so important. That you learn to get along with other people. That we learn, you know, learn to eat right. If you could just always, from little up, just eat what you wanted to do, you probably wouldn't be a very healthy person after a while. And if you could get up when you wanted to and go to bed when you wanted to, uh, you'd be probably very disorderly and a very unhappy kind of person. In fact, people that don't have what they call self-discipline, that somehow don't know how to take care of themselves properly, they tend to not feel very good about themselves. And if you uh, would, if your mom and dad and your school teachers never taught you and that some things are no and some things are yes, and you could just do whatever you want to do whenever, uh, probably later on you would probably have some trouble with the police. And you'd rather want them to be your friend and your helper than to be the ones who have to discipline you. This whole thing of discipline and so on, sometimes it it, it comes because of what we call consequences. You know, if your dad 
is a farmer and he he's he's planted corn he's not planning to harvest wheat he's planning to harvest corn and if people in their life just plant all kinds of undisciplined seeds in their life it'll be very you will have the consequences of having undisciplined plants coming up then too that's how it works and our parents and our teachers sometimes discipline and you know help us so that we will learn how to submit to give in do you know somebody who is stubborn never gives in is always right always has to have it his way if you can't play with that person you can't be together with that person unless it's exactly just the way that person wants it how much fun do you have that person hasn't learned to submit to give in that's a very important thing because if we don't learn how to give in in life here to our parents and our teachers and to other people we are going to have a hard time learning to to listen and obey and give in to God that becomes hard and so this whole thing of 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 going through training in, in our life is very important and children it doesn't just stop once you become a teenager or once you can drive the car young people it doesn't stop once you leave home but it is so important that the younger and the more thorough we get this kind of teaching and training and experience the the better it can help us as we go through life i have met people who who seem to just didn't get this and as older people they have a hard time they have a hard time and so discipline is important and really we may consider discipline to be a trial and really the hard things in life they help refine us true i don't think that we want to pray and beg god give us tough things to have no but god knows when we need what we need he does he does well let's go into verse 6 it says wherein we greatly rejoice in this this future salvation this inheritance that's coming we have an extreme joy about it and isn't it true that when things don't go so well here we tend to have a bit of an up more of an upward look i understand that during communist oppression 
that the, the, the true church in Russia and in China and so on, a lot of what they preach about, a lot of what they talk about is heaven. Though now we're going through a hard time. Though now, and these trials, these temptations, it talks here about temptations, through manifold temptations. That word temptation is a trial, a testing. Those things that test your character, those things that test the genuineness of you as an individual. And there's four things, there's four characteristics, there's four adjectives for this type of testing, this kind of trial. First of all, it's seasonal. It's seasonal. Though now for a little season. For a season. It's for a little while. In fact, Peter says in First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, he says, Though now for a little while, that, that after ye have suffered a while. Not always. A while. Someone has said, when God permits trial, He keeps an eye on the clock and a finger on the thermostat. Isn't that a blessing that He has those controls? Secondly, there's the possibility of trial. It's not always. If need be, it meets the needs of the time as God sees what is necessary. The third characteristic is that it's heavy. Ye are in heaviness. The trials aren't always just light little things. Sometimes they are seasonal but they're sorrowful. They're not easy. And they're varied. Thank you, Brother Ellis. I appreciate that. It says they're manifold. That, that word means they're variegated, varied, diverse, different kinds. So the believers can expect trials, testings that are seasonal, but they're heavy, but not all necessarily the same with each individual. And Peter's reminding us and he says, these trials are there, but Keep looking ahead. The present struggle needs to be understood in light of the future. If you have no future, the present doesn't make sense. That's why people who just live for the here and now in this life, that's why life is so empty, so meaningless, because it's all they have. And they have no answer for a lot of things in life, they don't. Without a future, the present doesn't make sense. And 
Peter goes on he says, Now I'd like to give you a bit some reasons why why difficulties happen. What's the purpose of it? And he says that the trial of your faith. Oh. It isn't just that we're supposed to have a bad time and feel bad and, and never have a lot of money and, and always always be sick or always under pressure. No, that's not it. It is the testing of faith. The process of testing faith. And that to God is much more important than gold that's being tested. Because gold is seasonal. <laughs> faith is much more valuable than, than money. Gold isn't eternal. The results of faith are. In fact, a faith that cannot be tested really cannot be trusted. It isn't worth much. You look at the parable that Jesus gave of the sower and that seed that fell upon shallow ground. It sprouted up and it says with joy it grew. But it was shallow. Because it didn't have nutrition and it didn't have water, you know, it didn't, it, it couldn't take root. It withered and wilted and died. It didn't. It there was nothing. No, there was no test that could be put to it that it could survive. Why does God give tests? I don't know. I can give you 12 things that the Bible does say why God gives tests. And there's others. For one, we're tested because we live in a world that has sin. It's a consequence of the sin that's around us. And so we can expect trials and testings. I could give scripture verses for all of these. Another purpose of trial is to manifest the work of God in John 9 verses 2 and 3. I believe that is a story of the blind man. You know, why was this man born blind? And Jesus said that God would, that would be manifested. And he was. Because God did a tremendous miracle. But that man had to walk through a good portion of his life not being able to see till one day God's work was manifested in him. I guess that just takes a lot of patience. And not knowing will it ever happen. Another purpose of trial is that God is going to be glorified. Lazarus became sick and died and his sisters were heartbroken and grieving. But Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. Yes, of course, we know that the end of that turned out wonderful with Lazarus being raised from the dead. That doesn't always happen that way, but trials can have that. Sometimes trials are there to produce Christ-likeness. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about that God chastens those that he loves, that they will develop Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness is God's ideal for every one of his children. God wants each of his children to be like his son. In fact, even Jesus 
says of him in Hebrews, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Ouch. <laughs> and I got a long way to go if Jesus had went through life like that. Another purpose of trial is that's how he proves that we're sons. Jesus said, God said in Hebrews 12, those that I love, I chasten. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not. That's just part of the package. And it's for our profit. It's next. It's to make us more valuable. You know, I understand that you can take the same piece of steel, but the amount of pounding and heat that's applied to it is going to make a difference in, on the value of what comes out of that piece of steel. It can be something that you just weld together, you know, and for something rough, or it can be just the finest watches, springs in, in the finest kind of machinery. And it's basically heat and pressure. purpose of trial is that we become more holy to produce holiness and to produce a harvest Hebrews 12 verse 11 the fruit of righteousness that's going to be, the, be there and as I said before one of the purpose of trial is that it just makes us long for heaven And identifies us with our Master Christ. Jesus says, says, the servant is like his master. Don't expect that if things were easy for me, Jesus, as Jesus, that they will be easy for you as his servants. And sometimes trial is there to just show us the grace of God. Paul prayed that this trial would be removed three times and finally God said my grace is sufficient no it's there I'll take care of it don't worry and it shows God's power not only to redeem and to relieve from the situation but to carry through and it's a difficulty but as we look at our verses here this Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, that it will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Faith needs to be tried to make sure how genuine it is, to have make sure how worthy it is and to free it from anything that keeps it impure. So that it will be found praiseworthy, commendable. That will be found honorable. That will be found for God's glory. The working of faith is in your life and in mine as God's people is to be for God's glory. The test is not so much necessarily God's glory, but 
that faith has met the test and that the faith is approved. And that will be that way when Jesus returns. That will be found praiseworthy, honorable, and glorious when Jesus comes. End of verse 7. Someone has written and said, The fact that God finds our faith approved is of greater value to Him and to His glory than the approved faith itself. That God can trust the Christian is of tremendous value to God. Just remember Job. You know what? It seems that God... Yeah, Satan dared Job and then God dared... No, Satan dared God and then God dared Satan pretty well. And he says, now you just remember what Job was like. Mm -hmm. And it was of tremendous value to God that Satan... that, That Job was a man of faith. Yes, not everything that turned out we would say was most commendable and positive. But God was glorified. I've entitled this message, Hope and Joy Admit Trial. I'd like to look at verse 8. That this period of trial in which we live, this testing, as we walk through life, it's really a time of invisibility. Both Christ and the future salvation are just things where we walk by faith. We we don't see Jesus physically. We can't touch that future salvation. No. It's something that that we cling to, that we hang on to by faith. It's an unseen, but one, but we still love him. Some people have a bit the idea that in order to love somebody, you must see them. Sure is nice. <laughs> sure is nice. But the scripture tells us that sight is not so important to love somebody as knowledge of the individual. I had an interesting experience yesterday. I didn't even tell Joanne this yet or Ryan's. I was in West Texas and flew from Lu- back from Lubbock to Dallas. Had a several hour layover. And... Uh, so I was walking around and I was sitting and working through some stuff that I had in my briefcase and then I gone out and left and came back to that same area and somebody else sitting where I, I had been sitting so I walked to a little further away and I well that's a sister covering cape dress you know, one of our, our kind of people so I sat a little distance away and 
I said hello and she was reserved and her husband came there and of course I could tell he's he was of our kind of people and so I I identified who I was of course I didn't know them they didn't know me but I know their son and their son knows me but was the interesting thing was here we only chatted for a little while there but there there was a bond there that we didn't really have we we didn't really need to see each other to know that there was christian love okay and so it is with the lord jesus even in a much bigger way you don't need to see him to love him but you need to know him to love him you need to know him to love him and we need to have the nature of god in us so that we can really appreciate and love christ though we don't see him we love him And if I want to love Jesus better, I need to know him more. And then he says, however, though you don't see him, yet you believe. Yet you believe. I know some people have the idea that for Christians that doesn't make sense. You believe in someone you've never seen. Well, really, everybody in this world believes in some things that they've never seen. Have you ever seen gravity? But we've sure seen the results of it. Or when we work against it. You know. And yet gravity is a very real principle. And so... Even though we don't see, yet we believe. And even though we don't see, we believe, but we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why shouldn't our hearts be filled with joy when we've got such a wonderful future ahead of us that we, don't, that we haven't seen yet? But it's there. It's there. It's not there because I believe it. But because it is there, I believe it. It doesn't exist because of my belief. But my, belief, but my trust and faith isn't because it is present. It is there. In fact, I wonder sometimes... Be, because we don't see it that adds a dimension to it that's even more special it definitely will add something special to it once we get to see it and so right now we are in the visibility maybe of difficulty we are in the invisibility of that which is glorious. But brothers and sisters, we must remember 
that this invisibility that we now have will one day become more visible than what is visible to us now. It will. Receiving the end of your faith, the end result of your faith, that final salvation. That's why, that's why trust, that's why faith is so important. And that we endure. And we live in a time, it seems that Jesus even said, He says, before I come, before I return, will I find faith on the earth? That's, that, that's a concern of Christ, was a concern of Christ. And so, having trust and faith and being faithful is of great importance. Enduring to the end. It pays to be faithful. Even though you and I don't see. Even though, I don't know where you're at, if you've got all kinds of trials piling up on you, multiplying, and pressing on you, it pays, even with all that tough stuff that's visible, it pays to have faith and trust in that which we cannot see now. Pays. Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, I will give thee the crown of life. Blessed are those that endure. And Paul, even after the years of trial and difficulty at the end of his life, could say, I've fought a good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith, I've hung on. Therefore is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give, but not to me only, but also unto all them that love is appearing. And some people may say, well, my faith isn't big enough. But hang on to that faith that you have, okay? I understand it was D.L. Moody that wrote and said, Little faith can bring your soul to heaven, but big faith brings heaven to your soul. Yes, and there's a place to pray, increase my faith. Yes. But just don't let go. The trials and tests should be there to better us, not bitter us. The trials and tests in our life should be there that by faith we look ahead. There is a better day coming. And that we are like Job who said, For I know he knoweth the way that I take. Job 23.10 When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He didn't say that arrogantly. He said that confidently. There's a big difference. And so we do what David calls us to do. Wait on the Lord. Persevere. Don't give up. There's too much at stake.